Lord. So if you would welcome now uh, Joanne, she's going to come first to share her story, and then she'll be followed by Megan. Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Hope all is well. Yes, my name is Joanne Jameson, and I used to oh, I used to belong to the Salvation Army, but there they don't believe in baptism, which I do, um, because that's the way the Bible says it. And so I'm glad to be now a part of West Highland Church where I, I can be baptized. When I was eight years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. Three years ago, I rededicate my life to the Lord Jesus, and now I'm following Him. I love the Lord and want to please him and fulfill his will for me by being baptized and serving him and his people. Philippians 4, uh, 9, which is my favorite, one of my favorite Bible verses, says that God will supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for that. And I believe in all the wonderful promises that God said that he will fulfill in our lives. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Megan Jean. I grew up in a family that did not believe in God or Jesus. I started going to church after meeting my husband. At first, I just liked the worship song. I went to church, but I didn't trust or believe in Jesus. A few years later, after getting married and living in the foreign country, my life was very hard. When I had a difficult time, my brothers and sisters in my young adult group really helped me to trust Jesus. I started reading a few verses in the Bible and thought I understood that the Bible was trying to say, and yet I didn't fully believe I am sinner and that Jesus died for me. I only read those verses that I liked. For example, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. <laughs> That was the start of my church life. After another few years, I had my first baby. When she was born, it was physically hard, but not mentally. As she grew up, however, I reached rock bottom, of my, bottom in my life. I saw my weaknesses and the flaws of my personality. So I started reading the whole Bible from the beginning. I prayed to God. Each time life was hard and unbearable. When I prayed to, prayed to God, he gave me the following scripture, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7. Since I accepted Jesus, I can see myself changing, not very rapidly, but little by little. This is why I am here today to profess to everyone here that I have a saving relationship with Jesus. I want to obey his command of baptism and commit my life to Jesus. Thank you. Well, Joanne, it's a joy for me to be here with you today, um, to hear your testimony that you've read to us, and to know that God has been at work in your life for many, many years. Normally, uh, people would be baptized shortly after they come to faith in Christ, 
but we understand that the church that you went to didn't practice baptism, and so that's one of the reasons for the long wait. Yes. So we're so glad that you love the Lord and that you desire to be baptized to identify with him. And so it is my joy now to obey the Lord's command and to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Megan, thank you for sharing your testimony. Thank you for your sense of humor as well. We uh, are so glad that you and your husband are coming to our church. We know you're involved in one of our life groups. We know that you love the Lord with all your heart. And we know that this is a very meaningful day for you. Uh, Your love for the Lord has been made known in so many different ways. So again, it is a joy for me to obey the Lord's command and to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So now, would you open your ears and your hearts to Mike Carter and to Ben Kovac as they share their testimonies with us? Mike. Thank you, Pastor John. Uh, My name is Mike Carter, and uh, I was not raised in any kind of a... I'm sorry. I was not raised in a Christian home. I was not raised in any kind of a Christian environment. But as I grew older, I did have a a knowledge of God. I did have a a knowledge of the Bible, but I, I never put it to any use. And my life was like that for many, many, many years. And at one point, and I, I can only say that it was God. My wife can attest to it. I came home one day and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, I have this terrible burning pain in my chest. I said, and it won't go away. I really didn't know what it was, but I felt for some reason I had to start going to church, which I did start doing. My whole family started going to church. But the thing was, I didn't really understand really what it meant to go, go to church to accept Christ into my life. It was just, well, I would go to church on Sunday, I did my thing, and that was it. And I I fell away. I fell away for many, many years, decades. And the thing was that after a while, and this went on for a long time, and then two years ago, things happened in my life, and I felt like, again, Here's God looking at me again, saying, Mike, you got to get back to church. And so I followed up on that. But this time it was different. I turned around. I came into church, and I'll tell you, and using the word fervor, I came in with such a fervor for wanting to know God, for wanting to be part of the family of God, for accepting Christ into my life, so that I could have redemption. And I did that. I accepted Christ into my life. And the thing was that this time around, it was completely different. It was like a whole new ball game for me. And so I'm being baptized today because 
I want to obey God's command to be baptized. I want to be an example as to what God can do in my life and in anybody else's life. And there's two pieces of scripture, very short, very small. And the first one is out of John 3, verse 3, where Christ was speaking to Nicodemus, and he says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And I thought that, that was pretty good. Then I was reading on just a little farther in John, verse 5, where Christ says to Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. And this is why I am here. This is what I want in my life. I want Christ in my life. The one thing I will say, I found that even at my age, Christ does not give up on anybody. Never, ever will he give up. Never, ever will he turn around and walk away from you. So I would just like to thank my wife, Betty, my dear friends, Terry and Laura McDonald, my dear friends, Chris and Dave Ecker, for their many words of support and encouragement. And the thing is that I would like to give most of my thanks and all of my thanks to the Lord Jesus for never, ever giving up on me. Thank you very much. Mike, I can't begin to express the joy I've had to walk with you in the Lord in the last two years. I remember very clearly the day the Lord brought you in. And we sat and chatted, and you were so burdened. And just to see your growth in Christ, your walk with him, your commitment to live your life for him, your love for his word has been just an absolute joy for me. And so, my dear brother, on the basis of your profession of faith, in an obedience to the Lord's command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ben Kovac. Uh, I was born into a Christian home, and Christianity was always an intrinsic part of my life. I went to Christian camp every summer, youth group every Wednesday, and church every Sunday. For a long time, Christianity was everywhere I looked. Of course, this ended in me making the hasty decision to ask Christ into my life. I don't remember the day, and I don't remember it meaning anything to me at the time. Becoming a Christian at that point was bound to happen, so I tried to get it over with as soon as possible. In grade seven, I started at a Christian school, and faith was just an afterthought for me. Instead, I surrounded myself with people that would let me ignore it. I left youth and felt like I didn't belong in the church. I ended up doing a lot of things I regret so I could distance myself from Christianity. But eventually, my guilt caught up. I cut everyone out of my life, buried myself in a depression, and wasn't able to do much more than get out of bed. Thankfully, when I was about to do something drastic, I had a friend reach out and tell me he was worried about me. When I got home from work that night, I prayed seriously for the first time since I was a kid. I reaffirmed my faith, reconnected with the youth group, and joined a small group that helped me deepen my faith. As a kid, my faith was rooted in the values of my family. 
It wasn't until I was told to make my faith my own that I was able to realize I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus. A verse that helped me remind me of this is Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to continue to grow my faith and deepen my relationship with Christ. And I believe that baptism is the first step towards that. Ben, I've known you for a while. <laughs> and um, I love what you said about making your faith your own, because I remember sitting around the dinner table when you were, I don't know, seven, eight, and I said, you know, do you love God? Do you want to follow God? And you said, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> and I love that answer because it, it demonstrated to me you're not doing this because you're supposed to or you know that we want you to. You're doing it because you've thought it through and you've experienced God's grace in your life and you made that decision. So here we are. And uh, put your toes right up to the front here. So Ben, my son... In view of your testimony and by evidence of the grace of God in your life, I want to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you just to take your Bibles and turn with me to look at one verse, one verse in God's Word in Acts chapter 9, the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 9, specifically at verse 31. As you're turning there, let me just say that uh, I really believed uh, that by the end of this summer, uh, I was coming back to normal. I thought I would come back after my holidays, I'd come back to normal. Did you think the same? Uh, in case you haven't heard, it's not normal yet. And uh, don't let this new normal become your normal because we want this normal to be over with. Amen? Uh, we are uh, still facing some challenges that lie before us. In some ways, I think that we may be entering the greatest challenge yet. That may still be bef before us. And that is one of the reasons why I said to, the, to Pastor Lee and to the, the ministry team and other members of the team that I wanted Sunday, September 12, the first Sunday after our summer break, to be a Sunday where we focused on the things that God has done among us. God has been at work, and you've heard that in the various testimonies and the reports that you've heard today, whether it's world missions, whether it's a Christian organization like Redeemer, whether it's the Star Kids ministry downstairs where our kids gather, or the camps that we have in the summer. Um, we have been, or our our, our finances. I mean, God has been at work there. God has been at work in a number of different ways. And I think in the midst of this, this ongoing situation that we find ourselves in, we find ourselves more and more, all of us are feeling this, like all of us are guilty of this. Our conversations are becoming more and more negative. And friends, we need to take the thread of praise and thanksgiving and weave that into our conversations constantly because God is at work. And we need to fill our hearts with praise 
uh, for all that the Lord is doing in our midst. And so that was the reason why today's service is just a little bit different from what we normally do. Praise the Lord for the baptisms that happened. And I just want to exhort anyone here today, if you have not put your faith and trust in Christ and the testimonies you heard today from Mike or from Ben have touched your heart and you're saying, I'd like to know about Christ, please speak to us immediately after worship. We'd love to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can know how to put your faith and trust in him. If you are a believer who's been waiting to be baptized, hopefully these baptisms were an encouragement and a challenge to you. And so I would ask you to step up as well. Approach us. Let us know you want to be baptized because we have a class coming up very, very soon, and we'd love for you to be a part of that so you can receive some instruction before baptism is given to you. So praise the Lord for that. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 is an interesting verse. Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, he gives a little summary statement here in verse 31. Now, do you know where this summary statement, do you know where it's found? You know it's found in Acts 9, 31, but do you know where it's found in the flow of the story of the history of the early church in the book of Acts? It comes immediately after the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who up until that time was the greatest persecutor of the church. Luke records the story how Saul of Tarsus became the great apostle Paul, how God knocked him off his church, in, off his church, off his horse, in all of his arrogance and defiance of the living God. And Saul of Tarsus, who hated Christ, became a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this verse is inserted right here because you know that this great persecution happened. Friends, if God could save Saul of Tarsus, he can save anybody. And here we have this little summary statement that Luke makes. Look at it. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. Praise God. Doesn't that feel good? I like that line, a time of peace. I wouldn't compare in any way what's happened to us over the course of the last 18 months like the persecution that the early Christians faced under Saul of Tarsus. But I would say we've not known a time of peace. This has been a time of turmoil for all of us and how I would love to see us enjoy a time of peace. And I hope that that's what you've been experiencing in your heart and soul this morning, a time of peace as we have sat together in the presence of the Lord. Friends, there's nothing like meeting together with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened. I love this. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. This verse gives me hope. And, And I hope that today you've been strengthened in your faith. I hope that today you've been encouraged in the Lord. I hope that the Holy Spirit has given you strength and encouragement through the testimonies and reports and baptisms, through the opportunity that we've all had to lift our hearts and our voices in praise to God today. That's what I want to see God do. Strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And notice the last line, it grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Ah, Wouldn't that be great? Listen, 
we praise God for the 26 or 29 decisions for Christ that we've had this year. Praise God for that. But honestly, friends, these 18 months, I know we we're hearing reports in other places of people coming to the Lord. Praise God for that. But for the most part, these past 18 months have been spiritually dry when it comes to the numbers of people coming to know the Lord. It's been very dry. Unlike any other time I've ever, ever known, I have gone two years now and not had an opportunity as a pastor to actually pray with someone to receive Christ. And usually I have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten opportunities every year to do so. I'm talking sitting down after a worship service and praying with someone to receive Christ. I feel the dryness of that. I feel the dearth of the whole thing. And, and I, I, I want to see Acts 9.31 happen here, that the church will grow in number living in the fear of the Lord. So I'm, I, I wanted to just share this verse with you today so that, so that, that we can kind of look ahead because something good is coming. And, 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 and while there may have been a dearth of people coming to Christ in our experience, I'm really trusting God for a great harvest through all that has happened. God has been doing a pruning, winnowing work among us and we're trusting him for great things in the coming days. But but how does this kind of stuff happen? Like, what do we need to see God work in our midst? Friends, we need to pray. And so I, I, am, I am issuing a call to you this morning. If, if West Highland is your church home, I am beseeching you as the lead pastor of the church that you would join us this evening from 6 o'clock to about 7.15, an hour and 15 minutes where we can come before the Lord to look ahead and ask God to do great things in our midst. We need to pray at this time because we are living in very critical days. Next Sunday morning, I will begin a new preaching series entitled Living the Gospel in an Antagonistic Age from the book of Daniel. Daniel and his three friends were carted off to Babylon as exiles, as slaves, and they lived in Babylon for the rest of their lives, a pagan, godless, corrupt nation that was antagonistic to anyone who believed in the one true and living God. Friends, you and I are living in Babylon today. If there is any Old Testament book in God's word that relates to the situation that we find ourselves in today, it is the book of Daniel. We are exiles in a strange and a foreign land, and it is difficult to sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land. But God wants us to be a blessing in this exiled state, in this Babylon in which we live. And that's what I will be preaching on. So I'm, I'm hoping you will make this a priority and come and join us here. We need to be praying about these things. Three things that we need to be praying about, and we're gonna to touch on these themes tonight. The first is this. We need to regather our people. Praise the Lord, this looks like a great attendance this morning. But friends, you need to understand that for the last 18 months, we have been about at 50% on a Sunday morning of what we used to be before COVID arrived, 50%. Now, probably more than that have come back to worship at one time or another, 
but on average, our morning attendance is about 50% of what we had before. And so we want to be praying tonight that somehow God will help us, enable us to regather our people to worship. We also want to rebuild the ministries of our church. You know that many things have been dormant for the past 18 months. And while we have tried and attempted to do ministry online in different ways, and in many ways seen fruitfulness and success in that, it's not like face-to-face, one-on-one, people-to-people ministry that needs to happen. We need to rebuild the ministries of our church. Now, this has given us a time to reflect on, on the busyness of what we were doing as a church in the past, and we're not saying that everything that we did before is going to start again, but we need to rebuild the ministry focus of our church. Hence, our ministry fair this morning out in the foyer, there are all kinds of displays there where you can talk to individuals and staff members about how you can participate in these things, how you can get involved, how you can be involved as a person at West Highland in rebuilding the ministries of our church. And the third area is we need to refocus vision. We've had Vision 2020, which has been our vision for the last 10 to 11 years, a a ministry plan that we laid out, which I think the Lord put his hand on and blessed in a wonderful way, and that brought us to the year 2020, and then COVID hit. And we really anticipated that 2020 would be a year in which we could kind of rethink where we're we're going, set a new course, uh, sharpen some things, uh, strengthen achievements that have come along the way, but, 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 but really propel us with a new ministry vision for the coming years. And of course, all of that has been put on hold, but we're starting to talk about that and pray about that. And we want you to know the leaders are going to be engaging soon in these discussions to refocus our vision. That's a third area that we really need to be praying about. Now, in addition to all those things, we have the COVID situation that we find ourselves in, and we need to pray that God will bring this thing to an end and perhaps even more importantly than bringing it to an end, that God will fulfill the purposes for which COVID has come in the first, the first place. And then we're in the midst of a federal election. Now, I know many people have said in the past, and you'll hear politicians say it, you might even hear pastors and preachers say it, this is the most critical federal election that we've ever known in the, nation, in the history of our nation. That might be a phrase you hear over and over again. So I don't really want to use that phrase but I'm gonna use it anyway. Because I really do believe this is the most critical federal election that we have faced in the history of our nation. Have you read the platforms of the various parties? Do, Do you understand what some of our political parties are propagating right at this point in time? Friends, this election isn't about the political left or the political right. It's not about uh, it's, it's not about policies per se. In many ways, the things that are being proposed at this point in time are the issues of righteousness and unrighteousness. And I want to remind you as your pastor today that righteousness, according to Solomon, righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a disgrace to any people. And we need to gather to pray that God will intervene in our land and give us not the government we deserve, but the government we truly need. And so I'm exhorting you to come and be with us here tonight. I have one takeaway. You know, I'm in in the habit of giving these takeaways at the end of a message. I normally give you about 25 things that you need to do. Today I'm giving you one. I'm asking you as your pastor to come back and join us here. It's 6 o'clock tonight. This prayer meeting 
is an in-person meeting tonight. This concert of prayer is in person. We're going to broadcast it, but there's gonna be no Zoom portion. So for those of you who are watching online, it's not like you can tune in via Zoom and pray with us. No, you can watch and pray at home, but it's gonna be an in-person meeting. And I would encourage you, if, you've, if you feel you can be here this morning, then you can be here tonight. I'm asking you to come and pray for an hour and a half that we'll see God continue to do his great work among us. Now, t- to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we cannot even ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. Amen.